Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Luke. Yeah. Y'all are awesome. Awesome, awesome. Happy, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah, what a day. It's a good day. Just love worshiping. It's something about corporate worship. You know, it's different than at home and uh, being with you. And so, so this cross is fun, and we do this every Easter, and it starts out as a old wooden brown cross signifying death, sig- signifying a curse, and it's got some old ratty chicken wire around it. And you guys bring some flowers, and kids bring flowers, and it's nothing planned and kind of random, and there's a few sticking out that maybe don't need to be sticking out, and no one's really thought about the colors. It's kind of like the body of Christ. There's a few things sticking out. We've got a wild hair here or there. Like, this is... This is your weird aunt right here. So, but you know, it all kind of works, doesn't it? It's a whole lot different than an old messy wooden cross. And it, yes, we love the weird ants. She's making it beautiful. And so there's a picture of Easter right there as our, as our kids fill that up. And there's something special about the four or five young ladies that returned home from Cameroon. And there's a piece of all of us that's slightly jealous for an encounter that takes you to the floor. Heidi Baker preached from the floor for a few years. And Laura Armour you know, your young mom with two twins, she's in our lodge at the church property, and the, it's a brick floor. It, we've cleaned it, but it's, you know, it's not clean. You know, it's a brick floor, and her face was just plastered to the floor for hours. You don't do that faking it. You don't do that by choice. You don't wake up with a brick mark in your face, and he's taking us from glory to glory, and, and I just think it's fun that the people that are really not overseeing ministry or speakers on our team, the, the, the operations director and the, the CPA, the operations folks, you got to love that. So Easter is an interesting Sunday for a preacher. Um, there's kind of an expectation, like, if you have an A game, might be a day to bring it. <laughs> it's, just, it's an interesting day. We kind of, we all come with, you know, we're dressing up, and by the way, you guys clean up real good. Lots of pretty people. And we bring this, uh, we bring to church our little girls, and they got their bonnets and their dresses, and 
Lots of folks have lunch plans and we want to do something special. And there's expectations. My expectation today is that every one of us would sense the presence of God. We'd feel like We'd feel like we're known and I, that you'd sense him or experience him or hear about him maybe in a different way today. I, my prayer is that no one would leave not knowing the Lord in this room. I've had a lot of people getting saved lately. Last week, a couple of people came up. So I'm kind of a planner. I'm, I was the grinder kind of student, do my homework. You know, I, I wasn't the wing it, just show up for the test and make an A. I, I worked. And so on Easter Sunday as your pastor, like I'm, I'm applauding extra time. I even had three meetings with people who are great speakers and we just were bouncing ideas off. I'm doing the time. I'm doing the work. Last night at about 8.30, I felt like everything I was working on wasn't working, and I had a shift. That's scary for a planner. And then this morning, I woke up and felt like I didn't have anything at all. And so I'm here in a place of trust. And God's taken me on this journey uh, with speaking. It's interesting Every time I prepare, 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 about when I get the outline, something switches and it's like, nothing, no more. You're just going to have to go with that. Okay. So I'm on a journey. So if nothing else, you'll hear my heart today. When all else fails, just lay out your heart. And I can, uh, you know, I could tell you I'd love to have the buildup and the magnificence of a T.D. Jakes. I saw him on YouTube the other day, and there's a lady, you know, in the congregation and on the edge of her seat, and she just had this look like, that's my pastor, ready to jump out and wave her Bible. It's like, I was a little jealous. I'd love to drop the rev bombs and the wisdom and revelation of a Bill Johnson or the encouragement and positivity of a Joel Osteen or the coolness or practical message of Andy Stanley. But I got to be me and you get to be you. Amen? So... And I just can't get away from this simple message. Like a magnet. Like people talk about life messages or I'm in a season where I keep preaching the same thing. I can't get away. It's kind of Eastery in a forced kind of way. But every Sunday's Easter. You know, our life is we're in a tomb. And we're risen from the dead. Our life was fallen and risen. Our life is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, is this a cup I need to take 
Is this a battle I need to fight? Is this, can I get out of this one, Lord? So every Sunday's Easter. One thing I've been trying to do is read the Bible with the same intensity and the same heartbeat and the same fervor as the writer. I've been trying to sing songs with the same passion as the songwriter. And when I catch myself having a lower level, I was like a litmus test. Wake up, wakey, wakey, wakey. Wake up your spirit, man. So let's read some of the Bible and bring with us the same heart and passion that the Apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read Romans 5 out of the message version, but uh, whatever version you choose. In Romans 5.17, he says, If death got the upper hand, if death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus provides. Earlier in the chapter, it's basically saying, we've got this thing in common. First came sin and then came death. Sin came through one man, Adam, and death reigned ever since then. And, you know, it's almost the easiest verse in the Bible to believe. You're just looking back thousands of years. And he's saying, sin reigns in humanity. All of sin to fall short of the glory of God. And we would say to that, yes and amen, right? Have you ever known anybody who hadn't sinned? No, you've never known anybody's sin. So it's an easy verse to believe. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. And through Adam, through one man's sin, death has reigned and this planet has been broken. It even talks in that verse 3 about the force field. There was, there was disturbance after the sin. Even the planet, creation, was disturbed after Adam sinned. And in Romans 9, it says, all creation is groaning, waiting, yearning for the sons of God to be revealed. There's a reveal party coming, and all of, all of, the, all of creation is waiting for you and me to get our act together 
and be revealed as sons and daughters of the Most High God. If the big oak trees could talk, they'd be saying, come on, sister, get get your life together. Come on. Ain't got no time for that. Did y'all not know that all oak trees speak like an urban woman? They do. They all. Were you aware of that? You aware of that? Now you know. They'd be saying, come on. And the apostle is saying, check this out. You can see everything that happened since Adam sinned. We were fallen. We were broken. The whole earth. All the problems are due to this. He's saying, but Jesus is better than the first Adam. The second Adam is better than the first. This isn't just a make up and get even. This is Jesus' all in, fix the problem, and more. Forever. Jesus is better than Adam. Jesus, Adam made a mess. Jesus fixed it up and fixed it up better. And I can't get away from this message. I I can't get away from this little piece of heaven that I feel has been revealed to me that our God the Father wants us to get to a place where we're reigning in life. And that's what... In most of the versions, it says that we'd reign in life. I can't get past that as a dad. I want that for my kids and grandkids. Like any area of my kids' lives that's lacking, it bothers me. When I would hear what few times the kids would say, I can't, it would bother me. Because I feel like, as a dad, I want to empower. As a dad, I want a world without limits. As a dad, I want no limitations. As a dad, I want to find a way to fund your dream. As a dad, if you want to go to that school, can we do it? That's the heart of a dad and a mama. And I know his heart is better than mine. He's a better papa than I am. He's so much better. And so... This thing in me that says, I want my broken world, I want this fallen world to capture this love, lavish, gift-giving, take-this-by-the-two-hands life and embrace it. That's what I want for all my kids. And you know, Recognizing that and believing that is so important because it kind of puts me in a track like, if I know that's his will, it helps me. If I know that's his desire, it kind of points me in that direction. If I know that's his desire when my circumstances aren't always looking like that, it helps me know it's an obstacle to get through. It's He'll help me through. So I, 
I know in a crowd this size, it's easy to come, and it's Easter Sunday, and Christ is risen, and the little girls have pink flowers, and new dresses, and there's bonnets, and everything's happy. But somebody could be saying, you know, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm risen. I feel like I'm still in the tomb. And most of us, if we're honest, would say every part of our life isn't Resurrection Sunday. There's still a few parts that feel like they're in the tomb. There's still a few parts that need his oil, his grace, his life. And it's the heart of the Father to bring us to that place. So his heart is there. But if you're not there this Sunday, preacher, give me something practical. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I believe. And honestly, I don't think it takes that much faith to believe in Jesus. My personal opinion is that he has spread out so many breadcrumbs that you got to be blind not to find him. Now, what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean, if you were to go without prejudice, you, you were to just, without any prejudgment, as an agnostic, as an atheist, and say, I'm just going to go on a journey, I think it's hard to not find him. I mean, think about this. There are thousands of, of prophetic words, prophecies written about the coming Messiah hundreds of years before he came. And some of them are so basic, like he'll be born in Bethlehem, he'll come and live in Nazareth, and he'll come out of Egypt. So this is three prophetic Words written about Jesus, the coming Messiah, out of hundreds. Think about how many people who've ever lived fulfill those. Born in Bethlehem, out of, came out of Egypt, and lived in Nazareth. That eliminates 99.9999999% of the world that's ever lived. And then as you just start layering on other prophetic, he was pierced in his side, he hung on a tree. By his stripes, you just lay them on. And it becomes like one in a hundred trillion that someone could have fulfilled those all. Do you know 97% of all statistics were made up on the spot? <laughs> that one was too. So, I don't know how many one and how many trillion. 90 zeros. You open a book like Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and you walk down the I, I, the concept of 11 disciples, Peter being crucified upside down. Would you really die for a lie or a hoax if you really didn't see him? 500 people saw him. The powers that be wanted to prove that he didn't raise from the dead. 
They had the media. They had everything. They couldn't prove it. It's not that hard to believe. And then we say a prayer. 17, a little hippie church in Colorado. I just found my way there. No one invited me. You say a little prayer to yourself. Closet Christian. I believe he is the Christ, the Son of the risen God. Or if my people, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, if you'll believe with all your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and if you believe in Easter, you'll be saved. And a seed gets planted. And the Lord says the Holy Spirit comes and we begin this walk, this relationship. And over time, we learn to hear God's voice. My sheep hear my voice. If you hang around long enough, you start to see some miracles. And it doesn't take much faith. But what does take some faith is to go all in when there's a world that's telling you every reason not to. And I tell you, that takes some faith. In a world that's saying, what about that idea? What about that idea? That looks enticing. That's really good. They're really good at that. To go all in and grab it with both hands. That takes faith. And this walk in life with Christ, it's not that great half in. But where else would you go? I mean, the philosophy of this world is not that enticing to me. It says, you came out of nothing. As a second grade kid, I never understood that. The Big Bang Theory. Well, I'm like, where did the matter come from that started the Big Bang? Where was the air and the gas and the stuff that, who made that? Who was, where was the intelligent design there? Where was God? They say it all came by chance, and then you just live and you die, and you're like a dog and you're done. It's not very enticing. There's no afterlife. There's, no, there's nothing supernatural. The system of this world says there's no supernatural. One miracle proves them wrong. If you've ever experienced one miracle, you've just proven them wrong. They're living on what's called, they're trying to prove a universal negative. Like one time and they're done. We have a Superior philosophy. Even without God in us, it's a superior philosophy. We have this loving servant Christ who gave his life for us. So you're saying, Pastor, I'm in a, I feel like I'm drowning. What do you do? 
What do you do? I heard Pastor Bill Johnson this week say, if I could give people anything, I'd give them thankfulness. I'd give them gratitude. And in Romans 121, it's interesting what God says. That's a verse, that's a chapter where people are falling away. It's kind of a scary chapter in the Bible. But check this verse out. It's so amazing. So cool. It's a warning. It's a way to, it's a, it's a sign how to get out. And in the New American Standard, it says it like this. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. It's basically saying, even though they knew God, they quit honoring him. What did Laura say when we were doing, when we were worshiping? We were honoring him. So as we praise and we like the awe and wonder and worship, that's our way of honoring him. And then they quit giving thanks. And what happened? They started thinking their own thoughts were right and not God. And then they fell away and became dark in their understanding and they fell away. So, pastor, I'm in a hole. I'd say, sister, get, get your list out. Let's find out what we can be thankful for. It's a gateway. It's an opening. Awe and wonder. Come up and stand with me. Stand with me and Lindy. Let's worship God together. Let's find his awe and wonder together. Let's start counting our blessings, even if it's just a few, and start giving thanks. And then let's start the work. Is there anyone we haven't forgiven? We're in this renaissance right now of people reconciling and forgiving. There's a grace. I've had some longtime friends that we've reconciled lately. Had some people that left the church in tough, tough ways and they're reconciling and coming back. It's a season of grace. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine. We were we share deeply at times. He's got a couple boys. One is like the elder brother and the prodigal son, and the other is like the prodigal son. And the Lord had him go and ask forgiveness, ask forgiveness for his workaholicness, and ask forgiveness for not being a better husband to his wife, asking forgiveness for looking at stuff on the internet he shouldn't have been looking at. He was real and raw with his boys, adult sons. And his prodigal son buried his head in his chest and they hugged like they hadn't hugged in 10 years. When we humble ourselves, grace comes. 
And we as believers should be professionals at forgiveness, but we're not. I'm still learning, still growing in this area. My friend said, you know, Steve, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is important. And forgiveness is often a process. It's hard. It's important. It's a process. And for that person that says, I feel more in the cave than I do resurrected this Sunday, I'd say, give thanks. Come worship with me and start forgiving. Start your list. It's hard. It's important. It's a process. And what will happen is grace will start to pour into that cave. Grace comes into the tomb. And it overfills that tomb so much that you just float out. You float out of that tomb. And you start your journey to resurrection. You float out of that tomb. And you might find yourself on the floor with these girls. You float out of the tomb and you're on a journey. The world doesn't have answers. We serve this risen Christ. We serve a God that just doesn't listen to our stuff with empathy, but he comes with power and an answer. He comes, the resurrection that was seen by so many, that resurrection is proof that the promises over my life have validity. It's proof that the promises over my life are going to happen. They're not empty promises. It's just not a counselor that says, I'm sorry, that doesn't have the power to help me get there. Jesus Christ says, I'm going to take you through these steps, and I have the power as the risen one to get you there. And he's taking you on that place. He's, his resurrection, Easter Sunday says, I get to end up there. We as... Uh, we as believers, and we at Bethel, you, we attract a lot of leaders. A lot of you are leaders. You're leaders in industry. You're leaders. You've been leaders in churches. And I saw a glimpse yesterday as I was preparing of leaders, and they were, they were dressed up like warriors, and they're going on this path, this path to that place of reigning in life. But a fallen world was throwing stuff at them to keep that from happening. Life was happening, right? We, life happens, doesn't it? And every one of us has something we're going after. And I saw, I saw us as warriors going. I, I, for some reason, I saw Darrell and Caritha. You guys are here again. I, I saw you guys. Raise your hand so people know who you are. I saw you guys in my glimpse, vision-like. I saw you as leaders, and I saw you lean and strong and fighting, and I saw you with me, and I saw us with war paint on. It was kind of like Hunger Games. It was that kind of a feel. And as leaders, you take shots, and their scars... Pastor in a church, there's a spiritual warfare. There's stuff going on. 
Jesus, the night he was betrayed, gave thanks. It's a convicting verse to me. I take a shot. My first response hasn't been give thanks. But now that verse is in my heart. The Holy Spirit, here's how he works. You've got that verse hidden in your heart now. It's alive in you. Next time you feel that, there'll be a Holy Spirit saying, can you give thanks? Can you follow in the ways of Brother Jesus? Will you follow his lead? And if I'm strong and courageous, I will. So I saw us on this battle, and you know, we get scars. And he flipped it like, can you just, is it going to be just a hard battle? Is it going to be weary? Are you going to, is it, are you wishing you weren't in the battle? Is it, is it too hard? And he flipped it. He said, you're about competition and winning. Make it a game. He said, can you be a warrior? Can you navigate the bullets coming here and there? Because you know what scars, when they get healed, they don't come with regret. They actually become a story. I'm kind of a scarred up guy. I was a little bit reckless as a kid. I've got scars here, 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 in my head, both legs, right here. But I don't think of them as regret, and I'm just like, oh, it was so terrible. I mean, I think of them as a badge of honor. I've got stories. And the Holy Spirit said, that's how it'll be with your warriors, as you're chasing after the king. They become badge of honor. I just got to tell you about this one. This is a good one. They're all good. They all have a story. So me and Jim Royalty in college were running down this road, Techwood Drive at Georgia Tech. We're going to intramural football practice and we're throwing the ball. I'm on one side of the street on the sidewalk. He's on the other. We're throwing across the street, kind of jogging, walking, throw across the street as we're going to practice. And then we had the bright idea that as cars would come by, we would try to whip it right in front of the windshields, scare the crud out of them as they go by. And so not a really good idea now that I think about it, but, but it was fun. Anyway, he threw a pass a little too high, and I reached up and caught a chain link fence. Rusty old scraggly chain link fence came down and had a about that big and Jim Royalty like a warrior rips off his shirt sweaty old shirt and wraps my hand up and then he jumps in the middle of the road and stops the first car it was a little Volkswagen bug girl didn't know what happened <laughs> and said we're getting in your car and you're taking us to the infirmary and so she did your scars become stories And they become on your journey. 
And there's an even, there's an even better route. And that's the way of these young girls who are Denise. You guys go to Cameroon and you're in this season of delight and joy and laughter and words aren't explaining it. That's the high highway in the kingdom. It's, that's the seated in heavenly places. That's Papa God saying, come on up. Come on up. Let me wrap my arms around you. We're going on a journey together. There's times when it's a grind and there's times when you're just floating. There's times when the Holy Spirit's just taking you on up. You're seated with him. It's a glorious call. You leaders, we're in a generation starting to see the church become the bride of Christ. And he's teaching us how to live as resurrected ones, pulling those out of the cave, living resurrected lives, teaching those to reign in life. Some of us learning hey, I feel like I'm seated in heavenly places and the rest of us like, take us there. I want to soar with you. He's making us warriors. He's making us lean. He's making us strong. He's making our scars great stories around the campfire. He's making us pros at forgiving, knowing it's hard, it's important, it's a process. He's making us grateful. He's making us worshipers. He's making us a family. And there's a heart that's going out that says, this Jesus is going to make your life better if you'll let him. Let him live resurrection life. I know there's some stuff that's still in the tomb. We'll go after it together. I'm just... I hope you hear my heart. Like, I feel so confident we can get there. Like, it's his heart. It's in him. It's his desire. It doesn't take that much cooperation. Just hold on with both hands. We'll be a family together. We can model what the bride of Christ would look like. God's okay with it happening in places before it happens everywhere. He was okay with worshiping happening with David in a New Testament model in the Old Testament. He was okay with having David be a man after his own heart and know him personally in an older, inferior covenant. He's okay with a few churches becoming the bride of Christ while everyone else is catching up. That's Easter Sunday. That's resurrection. That's victory. That's overcoming. 
That's becoming a family. That's his desire for your life. You just put your hand on your heart as we close. So, Lord, let us be the set apart ones, the called out ones, the holy ones. Let us be the ones that are seated with you at the right hand of the Father. Let us be ones who forgive like no other people forgive. Let us be ones that can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Let us be ones that speak words of life and prophesy people's destiny into their lives. Let us be ones that love like no other. Let us be ones who are generous. Let us be ones that says there's non-prejudice amongst them. Let us be ones that pull others out of the pit. Let us be ones that worship with such extravagance. Let us be ones where grace marks their life. That we put you on like a glove, Lord God. Holy Spirit, put us on like a glove. Let us be ones that that love not life to the death. Let there be ones that once in a while say, there's nowhere else to go. Why not go all in? Grace, grace, grace. For those that feel like they're in a tomb today, I say, come out, rise up, come out. Come out. There's a Mary Magdalene sitting outside, talking to an angel, looking at an empty tomb. Come out. Mary Magdalene, you, Lord Jesus, you, you delivered her from seven demons. She got to be the first. You've been called out. He set you apart. It's for a purpose. He knew you before the foundation. It's for a purpose. He knows every hair on your head. He's for a purpose. His blood is cleansing you from all your sin. He wants you to walk in newness of life and without shame. It's for a purpose. Would you believe a lie or would you believe a truth? Are you sin-free or not? Have you been saved by the blood of Christ? You overcome by the word of your testimony. Is it true or is it not? And be courageous and live like it's true. The blood of Christ has cleansed you from all sins, so stand up tall, lift your head up high, look people in the eye, and be bold, be strong, be courageous. Is it true or is it not? We're people of Easter. We're people of life. We're people of the day. You're people of the great I am.
Yeah, Mimi, why don't you stand and pray over our church? Why don't you stand? You, God's on you. Can you do that? Yeah. Just stand and pray. So good. Thank you. Kreethra, you got a new song? You got one floating around? Putting people on the spot right here. You got one. Come up here and sing a new song. Just close us in a song. Lord, we give you our life. with me. 